Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Series 5, episode 5. I'm your host, Jazz Wilson, and I am here with my co-host, Lucy Wilson. Hello. How you doing? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yes, doing very, very good, thank you. Today is a special episode, I must say, because we have a guest. Woohoo! We haven't had a guest for a long time since, what, episode, our 100th episode, when we had uh, Georgia on. So it's nice to have a guest back in the studio, virtually back in the studio, shall we say. And our guest today is a man of wonder. I can tell you that. He is part of the Connecticut Critics Circle, the American Theatre Critics Association, and the creator of Sounds of Broadway. It is the one and only Stuart Brown. Hello, Stuart. Well, hello. What what a very nice introduction. I I'm going to have <laughs> to write that down to give to other people to. to use. <laughs> I'll, I'll just take that clip out and just just send that over. And you can please play, play please send it. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great. A little cold here in the in the U.S., but you know it, we we do have snow on the ground. It's been melting, so I'm hoping that because it's the beginning of March, we're we're going to the warmth of the season as opposed to going back down to this, the the Arctic temperature. So I'm I'm hopeful and hopeful that as it gets warmer and Maybe maybe theaters will even open. So oh, that'll be a change. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. I mean, we're looking at summertime here for theaters to be open. So, yeah, we can't wait. Can we? I'm very excited. It, it'll be interesting to see how we go back. It won't be like it was before, but I think the excitement in the auditorium will be even better than it's ever been. Yeah, I reckon so. Well, it's interesting you say that because I, I think – the first time you go back, I could just see the audience bursting into spontaneous applause just because they're there. And, you know, nothing to do with the show. It's just like, hey, we're here and we're, we're watching live theater. The moment you hear the first note of the overture, you'll be up on your feet. It just, right. It'll be amazing. I'll cry. I'll definitely cry. I, I, I think people will be crying. I, yeah, it's going to be a great, a great moment. Yeah, I'm a crier, so that will definitely happen. <laughs> so, Stuart, let's get right into it. I want to focus on talking about Sounds of Broadway. So, what inspired you to create that radio show? So, firstly, tell people what it is, what it's about, and, and what inspired you. So Sounds of Broadway and, and the address, the URL is soundsofbroadway.com. It's all one word. And it is a 24-7 online show music radio station. I say Broadway, but it's really show music because I play off-Broadway, Broadway, and even the London stage. I have a lot of cast recordings, some maybe well-known and even obscure London cast recordings I, I put on there. So I like to have all types of show music and I play well-known, popular and obscure. And, and I'm partial to the obscure. There, there's so much great show music from shows that 
they might have lasted one performance on Broadway or nine performances, or they might have been popular, but no one's ever heard of them. And I have a lot of cast recordings on LP. So for your listeners out there, LP equals vinyl that I I digitize. So I, I really want to have a huge show music experience. I have well over, oh goodness, a thousand cast albums, 650 musicals. So I put all of that on the air and I, I curate the playlist. So it's not like some of these online Broadway radio stations where it's just a computer generating or a computer saying, well, we're going to play this musical a hundred times in a week. And there's just no variety. And and a lot of people just get bored of that. And, and that's what people have emailed me about is just they like that they're hearing new and different things and learning because I do try to put in some fun facts about about shows. So it's not always just the music. And and then on the website, if you go to my website, I have other things. I do a weekly trivia quiz. We have specialty shows. So speaking about going to the theater again and those first few notes of the overture. Well, sadly, a lot of shows don't have overtures anymore because it, it you know takes into the running time. And I love an overture. So I do a program every week, just overtures or just title songs. So there's a lot to explore on the website in addition to just the music. Cool. Very cool. Stuart, I know a certain somebody, friend, a good friend of ours that would, would love the Overtures playlist, I must say. Well, just tell them, soundsofbroadway.com. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a very overlooked part of shows and I think an important part as well. So I love that you do that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's you know, it's a way to get little bits of of the the songs it's a chance to sort of it's almost a signal that not only is the show going to start but let's relax let's open up those candies and and get ready for the show as opposed to some shows where you know you still might be standing up or whatever and then boom the curtain starts and and the first production number and there's 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 no warning so yeah an overture is is, is great and especially overtures from classic shows. And I remember, oh, what was I? I saw oh, Sunset Boulevard. There was a revival of Sunset Boulevard with Glenn Close. And I think they had a, I don't know, like a 28-piece orchestra on the stage. And it was just, it, it was just incredible to hear that that sound. Or at Lincoln Center in New York, where they've done a lot of spectacular Rodgers and Hammerstein revivals, King and I, South Pacific. And again, they have this huge orchestra. You, you just can't beat that live sound. No, very true. Very true indeed. You don't get that anywhere else, especially through a screen. So I so, can't wait for it to be back. Stuart, why? Why did you start Sounds of Broadway? Because it was there. So... <laughs> So I've been doing a Broadway radio show, I, I hate to say, you know, for over 40 years. I started in college. I had a three-hour Broadway show. I also had a three-hour back then. It was called New Wave. Yeah. So all, all those great New Wave groups that, you know, they're, they're sort of dinosaurs now. Well, they just started off. You know, I remember going to see – this is kind of off topic – going to a small 
club in down in the village in New York, seeing this brand new group on their first American tour. You too. You know, so those, so I was playing three hours of that, three hours of Broadway, graduated, moved up to Connecticut for 25 years. I did a Broadway show at a college near my house. And I think a lot of times when you're doing a show and you're, and you're very passionate about it, you kind of daydream. Oh, what would what would it be like to own my own radio station? You know, I could do whatever I want. Well, let's say in the good old days, you couldn't do that because oh, you had to get a tower for the signal. You know, you had to apply to the Federal Communications Commission for a license, and you know, it, tens of thousands of dollars. Well, technology today, you have a computer, you have a microphone. There's there are these companies, and actually, I use a company in the UK, sort of as the as the uh, backbone. You can start your own radio station. So so that's what I did, and and I have all the, in the sense, all the software. I have all the the uh, content, all the cast recordings. So you know you can easily do do that. I, I think one of the things besides just having the technology there is you really have to have the passion. You can't just say, I'm going to start my own radio station. And then after a month say, well, I'm tired of this. This is a lot of work or I'm just going to, you know, throw on the songs and have it just cycle with no commentary. Well, you're not going to get a lot of listeners. So, you know, you need to have, again, the content, but you also need to have the passion. And and, and that's what I, I think I have. Good. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, for it to survive as long as it has, you, you've definitely, definitely got to. So, Stuart, what is the big ambition with this and, and for you? So my big ambition is to retire from my job. After that, my ambition, I really would like to continue to expand. And sort of when I retire from my job, which will hopefully be very soon, I can devote more time. And, and even now, this is kind of a scoop for you. I'm, I'm sort of syndicating an hour-long show to college radio stations in the U.S. and Canada and really any college station. And some people have said, well, why are you doing that? You already have a radio station. People can tune in. But a lot of listeners might not be computer savvy. And, and you need to be able to hook up to the internet to listen to sounds of Broadway. Well, what happens if you have an old-fashioned FM radio station? That's it. So I, I'm sort of spreading the word. And right now I'm in five different college radio stations. I've, I've pulled back a little because I have to sort of get my myself in, in, in gear to make sure I, I'm providing the content. So, so I'm looking for that to continue to grow and, you know, to eventually have many listeners or I should say many more listeners from around the world. True. True. Nice. I like yeah. that you're venturing out. I'll, re I'll remember you when I conquer the world. How's that? <laughs> Please do. 
I mean, you think about when do you listen to the radio in your car, in an office, and quite often it's, you know, you haven't got your laptop out in the car. And if you have, you shouldn't, you should be concentrating on your driving. <laughs> but, you know, eventually you could be on the radio station in the car as, you know, a generic radio station for people to listen to. It's, I think there's a gap in the market for that. And I think that yours is a great one to fill. Thank you. I, I think it, it is. I mean, again, I like to think that, you know, I'm just one. I mean, there are many, many people out there with with the knowledge that I have. But, you know, you have to take the knowledge, the experience, doing a, a radio state, a radio show, radio station, feeling comfortable. And, and 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 I like to think that with that knowledge, I can mix it. So if you, if you listen to the playlist, you know, I might play, let's say, Kinky Boots. Oklahoma, and then I might throw in this show Jamaica, which starred Lena Horn, or it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman, you know. So I like to mix things up. And my my greatest joy is when I get an email from someone saying, like, whoa, I love that, or I never heard that before. And so that's what I want to do is is really kind of like educate the audience in addition to entertain the audience. Nice. I like that. We, we like, we like things a little bit different here. Uh, it's all act. We do a section called album of the week and one of us picks an album for us to listen to and then we review it next time. And yeah, we've had some obscure things that we've listened to. Definitely. So. We've, I mean, we've been doing this five-ish years now yeah. and uh, it's getting to the point where I am struggling to find something that we haven't listened to <laughs> so I think I'm going to be tuning in to you a lot more <laughs> to, give, to give me some education so I can have an album to find <laughs> I'm always available for recommendations thank you so much <laughs> I will take you up on that awesome so Stuart obviously theatre is your your first love but do you have any other hobbies or interests that you enjoy? Well, yeah, I'll do the, I'll give you the standards. Uh, I like to try to play golf and, and read. I also, oh goodness, uh, next month is going to be the 24 year anniversary of a, a website that I, a web business that I started called studentaffairs.com. So in my real life, I'm a college administrator. And I started this, like I said, almost 24 years ago. And if you think about it, 24 years ago, no one knew what the internet was. No one knew what a domain name was. So I got a really good domain name. And I've been doing that now, Look, I, like I said, from, for a, a number of decades. So I'll be able to continue to put my energies into that in addition to the radio, in addition, going to the theater. You had mentioned I'm the president of the Connecticut Critics Circle. I'm also a member of what's called the Outer Critics Circle. So there are three primary critics groups in New York City, or not critics groups, well, critics groups and organizations. There's the Tony Awards that people know, sort of like the Olivier Awards. There's the Drama Desk. And there's the Outer Critics Circle. So I get tickets to every Broadway or off-Broadway show in New York City. And, and I haven't done anything like that. So I usually see 60 to 70 shows a year. Oh, my. Wow. So, you know, that's once Broadway comes back, 
hopefully I'll be able to time it where I'm retired and not only putting my efforts into soundsofbroadway.com and my other web business, but I'm going to New York now, you know, and maybe I'm staying over for a couple of days to see a bunch of shows. So, so I think all that will keep me pretty busy. Good. Yeah, that sounds lush to uh, stay in New York and just see shows. That sounds... It's the dream to us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it is fun. So I'm going to say something and you're, I, I can, even though I, you're, you're thousands of miles away, I know you're going to be rolling your eyes when I say this, but, you know, sometimes it's too much. So the Tony Awards are usually the the deadline for a show to open is is norm in a normal year is the end of April. So all the producers decide, well, we're going to open our shows from about the second or third week of March right up to the end of April. So there could be a show opening every single night. So I could be going in like six days to five different shows. And it's fun. And I, you know, I stay at a hotel and go eat at restaurants, but you know, it's tiring to see all those shows. So, <laughs> do you find you get a bit desensitized by it if you, you know, you are on your sixth show of the same week? Do you sit down and the kind of excitement to watch it? Does do you find that's gone a little? It it, it could because you know sometimes, you know, I, I'm I'm a theater critic and I. I I've learned that not, you know, when you're a theater critic, there's ways of doing things and being snarky and being a smart aleck and, and being mean is, is not the way to go. And, you know, they're very famous people that, you know, or, or from various publications and they relish that to me that that's counterproductive. So, but you're, you're right. You could be desensitized. You're trying to sort of give it your all and sort of like, oh, I'm tired, <laughs> you know, especially if I do a Wednesday matinee, go out, get something to eat, and then go back for an eight o'clock show. Mm. Yeah. So, but again, I, 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 I could see your listeners going, what is this guy complaining about? He's going to the theater. <laughs> and because, you know, I'm part of these groups, I get, I get good seats. No, I'm not up in the balcony. I'm, you know, seventh row center orchestra, or you know, I'm on the aisle. So yeah, I, it's nice. I can understand the 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 kind of the almost relentlessness of it in a way. And <laughs> that's probably quite a negative word to use for it. But I, I can understand how it gets there. I'm I'm a ballet teacher and sometimes I forget that actually the reason I'm doing that is because I love ballet. And sometimes to actually go and watch a ballet show, which oh my goodness, seems like a lifetime ago it kind of refreshes that love for me. So do you have anything you do to, if you are in a bit of a funk with it, do you have a way that you can refresh yourself a little bit? I try and find a lounge somewhere and do a 20 minute power nap. Very good answer. <laughs> so, yeah. And and again, most of the time it, it it's not like that. It just, sometimes it, it does get uh, a little much, but I also look at, what I'm doing. And this is my passion and my avocation and, and I love doing it. So I, I have to sort of slap myself out of the funk and, and, you know, say, you know, 
get over yourself. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, going to all them shows, Stuart, you must have met a few famous people, right? Anyone that you can name off the top of your head? So I, I, I'll, and if I if I'm giving too much of an answer, you can say, "Okay, Stu, that's enough." <laughs> so I'll give you three different versions. So yes, as because I I usually go within the first week or two of a show opening because I do get good seats. So I've you know I've sat behind Al Pacino. I sat behind. David Letterman. I remember going to the opening of The Lion King and at intermission, there was this huge buzz. And then finally, Tom Hanks stands up in the middle of the orchestra and waves to everybody. (laughs) The show, and I I called my friend, I couldn't remember which show, but after Hillary Clinton lost the election, I remember I was, it had to be sometime in November, December of 2016. And you know, everyone's in, in, in their seats waiting. And then there was this like hush and people were staring and pointing. And right before the show starts, Hillary Clinton and her, I don't want to say entourage, but, you know, her the people <laughs> to go and sit down. So what what happened was my seat was I was in the orchestra and I was, let's say, in row seven and she was on the aisle in row eight. So at intermission, everyone was trying to look or you know, trying to go down, but they couldn't because everyone was going, let's say, to the restrooms or or what. So the, the flow of traffic prevented people from going near her. Well, our aisle sort of emptied. So we just walked across the aisle and we were below her. So then we walked up. So we were able to walk by her. My friend like took out his camera, click, click. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. <laughs> wow. So there's an actor, Hal Holbrook, and your, some of your listeners might not know the name, but if you if you look him up, you'll go, oh, him. I mean, he's been in a lot of movies. He is famous throughout the U.S. in this one-man show, uh, Mark Twain Tonight, and he, he just passed away a few weeks ago. So there was a, an undiscovered Mark Twain play, and I forgot to look it up. But it opened on Broadway and it, it didn't last very long. It was, I thought it was very good. Well, a friend of mine used to be the director of the Mark Twain House out in Hartford, Connecticut. And the Mark Twain House, again, if you look at pictures, absolutely magnificent. So I said, you know, do you want to go? You want to go with me because you're like a Mark Twain scholar. And he's like, oh, this is great. So we went to the show. We got there just before the curtain. I had a, two seats on the aisle. So I gave him the aisle seat. I sat next to him and there was a gentleman next to me watching the show. Intermission comes. The gentleman next to me says, gets up and says, oh, you know, excuse me, wants to get out. And it's Hal Holbrook. So my friend looks over and screams, Hal! (laughs) Momentarily stunning him. But then Hal goes, John, because they've known each other for years. Wow. So they're, they're talking and reminiscing. I, I get introduced to Hal Holbrook. All the people in the orchestra are looking over going, oh, who are those people? They know <laughs> Hal Holbrook. They must be famous. So they're talking. All of a sudden, this woman runs down the aisle, 
John, John. Well, it's Hal Holbrook's assistant who was at the show with him. So now, again, a new, all these people, who's John? Who's this other guy? So I was sort of, you know, beaming, you know, from my association. And then at the end of the show, I actually helped him on with his jacket. Oh, wow. <laughs> Look at that. Claim to claim. So, yeah. So, it's you know, it, it, there are a couple of things. The David Letterman thing, he was sitting right behind me. And before the show started, I mean, I was on, on the aisle. This guy comes up and is talking to this person behind me. Oh, you know, I, I, I just want to let you know I, I've enjoyed your show for, you know, so many years and blah, blah, blah. So, of course, after he leaves, I have to stand up to stretch and I turn around. I look at this person. I have no idea who he is. So I sit down and just before the show starts, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That's David Letterman. Now, if people are familiar with David Letterman recently, he has this incredible beard. He looks like Santa Claus. So (laughs) he had his beard. So at first I didn't recognize him, but. So those are just some of the the people I've come across during my my years at the theater. Wow, awesome! Very, yeah. very awesome. Yeah, fun. Yeah, so cool. Um, so Stuart, I'm conscious that we are we are taking up your time. So, just one last thing: if anyone wanted to create a radio show, what advice would you give them? So advice as far as like the hardware or more just sort of advice on what you need to do within yourself, let's say. Yeah, how they would go about it. How if you could do it all over again, what things would you do? What would you change? What would you? Yeah, I, I, you know, like I said earlier, I think the, the, the technical part you know, there's always going to be a learning curve. You know, since I had been involved in college, I've, I've been in co- involved in college radio for so many years. You know, I, I like to think I know how to talk and and present and interview and, and all that stuff. I mean, that's really a learning curve. I mean, if if you've never done it and you start off and you listen to yourself, you're going to cringe because you're going to sound maybe very mechanical or throwing in a lot of garbage words, sort of like, uh, and you, you learn to get around that. And the technology, you probably just Google how to start your own radio station. But then you, the real, I think, essential thing is, is the passion. I mean, this is something that, that you want to do, that you feel you can talk about it present in an interesting manner. So for example, you know, you said that you do an album of the week. Well, you know, that could be something that you do with your radio show. You know, what what insights are you bringing in to the music? Do you have stories? I mean, maybe one of your listeners, they've been instead of going to the theater, they go to concerts all the time and they can relate to, oh, well, you know, when I saw Billy Joel, when I saw you too, I, so, you know, that makes it interesting and you have to spend time researching. You can't just do it willy nilly. So I, I think to me, that would be the secret for starting your own station. And, and the nice thing is when you, if you start a radio station, you, you don't have to be doing it 
24-7, or you don't have to be on the air 24-7. You can put things into rotation that are that's automated. You could do a live show every so often. So there's a lot of different ways that you can approach it. True, true. Very, very good advice. Stuart, just before you go, I have one last question that I didn't send through to you because we like to get the reaction from our guest. And the question is, if your life was a musical, what would it be called and why? Oh, wow. That's such a great question. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to steal that when I do interviews. <laughs> so if, if, my, if my life was a musical, what yeah. would I call it or which, yeah. or which musical that I know of is it like? No, what would you call it? What would it be what called would to call you? It? Brand new musical. What would it be called? Brand new musical. Let's see. How about, let's call it Just You Wait. Just You Wait. I, I like that <laughs> because we will be waiting. <laughs> you know, you could, you could, there's so many different ways. I could just see some great production numbers, tap dancing numbers, some some nice ballads and so you could just do a lot with with that i think that's one of the the better answers we've had for that question True. i like that a lot it's a it's, it's it's an actual feasible title i believe so thank you yeah very good yeah we've had some bizarre ones yeah it's very good wonderful Stuart, before you go please do tell everyone again where they can listen to sounds sure. of Broadway. So again, it's, it's sounds of Broadway. So it's one word, plural sounds of Broadway.com. And there's an app. So I, I don't know how things work in the UK, but I'm assuming you could just go to the iPhone store or Android store or any computer, tablet, any way you can get to the internet. You can get to sounds of Broadway.com. It is 24 seven. Uh, I, I curate between 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in, in the U.S. and let's say midnight. And there are a couple of specialty programs, but the overnight is automated. So you're not going to hear my golden voice except every maybe 20 minutes just reminding you of what you're, you're listening to. And most importantly, if your listeners have thoughts, comments, please, please let me know. It's Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T at soundsofbroadway.com. And one other thing, every night, every single night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern time. So unfortunately, I think that's when probably many of your listeners are sleeping, but we have an all request show. So you can search my database of what, 4,800 songs and make requests and hear them. And I don't think there's any other radio station that does that. So that's just another thing. Wow, that's very cool. Yes, and like you were saying about the app, Stuart, you can get the app. I'm currently looking at it. I have it on my phone. Currently playing is The Mad Show. Oh, oh. so I am at my computer. So I'm going to look because I, I just want to see what song. Misery uh, is, and I can't see the rest. Oh, Misery is, yeah. Oh, it is There's, Yeah, Misery is, and again, I don't, 
you know, for for decades. It's I think it's still, I don't know if it just went out of publication, but Mad Magazine, and that it was just this was an off Broadway review about Mad Magazine. And I will say to your listeners that Misery Is is a fun song. There are there's one song that's called The Gift of Maggie under it's sort of a parody of Gift of, of the Gift of the Magi. And it is a very, very funny Christmas song. So if you go to the request list one day, type in Gift of, Mag- of Maggie from the Mad Show. But again, the Mad Show, you're not going to hear that very often on, oh. or actually you're never going to hear that on other radio st- stations, Broadway stations. Very true. So. Very true. Stuart, thank you so very much for your time today. Really, really do appreciate it. And well, thank you. I'm, I'm always happy to talk about Sounds of Broadway, meet new people. It's always, you know, the, the nice thing about technology is that you can connect to people from all over the world. So that's, that's great as opposed to, you know, having to, I don't know, do a dial up or something. So thank you very much. Wonderful. Thank you, Stuart. Appreciate your time. Take care. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Stuart. All right. Take okay. Care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Wonderful. Thank you, Stuart. That was so much fun. Don't you think? It was so lovely to speak to somebody who is really experienced. 24 years ago, he started dabbling then. Wow. All of this. And so he must literally know all the tricks of the trade. And you can tell just by speaking to him that the passion and love for musical theatre <laughs> yeah. is well and truly still there. I mean, to be doing it this long, it's got to be, hasn't it? Yeah. So an incredible man. He is indeed. And uh, yes, someone I think I'll have many a conversation with about theatre. Moving on, let's go back to some normality with... Ba-da. Album of the Week! Ba-ba-bum. Yeah! It is Album of the Week and... The album that we listened to, what did you say the other episode? Review and replace or something about album of the week. I don't even know what you're talking about, Jazz. I've got a very small baby. I cannot be remembering (laughs) what I said like two weeks ago. I can barely remember what I ate for dinner. (laughs) So we reviewed my choice of hair. New Broadway cast recording. And I specifically chose that version. One, because it's on Spotify. And two, it's, uh, even though it's an old show, it gives a new feel to it, which Mm. I thought might appeal to you a bit more. So, Lucy, what did you think of it? Mm. Mm. Lots Um, of mming. I did. I didn't mind the style of some of the music. I just did not like the content. Um, Go on. I know it's from a very long time ago. It was written a long time ago, but it is very inappropriate. Agreed. In just not even a way that can be justified at all. Um, So I didn't really enjoy listening to it. I had had so many moments. I actually said to Jazz earlier, we shouldn't talk about it before we do it on the podcast because I have to kind of justify that. I've already said this, but I... um, Nobody knows. <laughs> It'd just be our little secret. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I actually had to Google the lyrics for one of the songs. I thought, I surely cannot be hearing this right. And no, I was. 
Yeah. And I am shocked and disgusted. But I guess, well, no, I'm not justifying it at all. But I just think it's very interesting that it's still a musical that is out there. You did hair and you are 31 years old. Yes, and correct. even, it, so what were you, 19? Something around even, that sort of ballpark? 17, 18. Okay, so we're only going back like 13, 14 years. Yeah. To think that it was acceptable to put that show on in a school at that time is actually breaks my heart a bit. It was a college, but... Well, it's... Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was an interesting experience. And because of the casting, because there is people of colour within the cast, that was... It was able to be done that year because there was people of colour in that year group. So, um, but yeah, like you say, well, the song in question we are talking about is Black Boys. Yeah, but it's not even just that song. There is a song that follows it about white men. White boys, yeah. And, it's and just like, I just, yeah, I was... Well, I was balanced it out, but the it's not, it's not aged well. Has no. It? Absolutely not. No. Anyway, a positive. What was your favourite song from the album? Um, actually, the opening song. I I was kind of sold on it from the opening song, which is a shame because I started listening to it and I thought, wow, this isn't what I expected. I think I'm going to like this. How exciting! Unfortunately, it went downhill when I started to realise what what was <laughs> what it was about and what was going on. But take out the content of the like theme of the show, and yes. I would quite enjoy it, but purely because of the content, I'm going to have to give it probably one mic. One mic? Yeah, I just wow. I can't accept it, I'm afraid. That's fair enough. Um, but yeah, the the opening song, Aquarius, I do like it and I recognise it. I'm sure I may have done it in a variety show or somewhat, I have, not necessarily I've done it, but somebody I know has done it. Yeah, you know? maybe. Um, it does feature on an advert, I think, now. Does it? Like many other songs with from hair um i've noticed yeah so was it a bit it was it a big a big thing when it first came out was it, it a was, big yeah, show it was, yeah it was wow a, it was a massive show crazy and, and it's continued to be a relatively big show it was only done in the west end two years ago three years ago Wow. I'm sure Katie Lipson did a, oh a a touring production or a limited time production of it. I'm wow. pretty sure. Um, how it was adapted, I don't know. Um, I, I like it. I really like the song. I mean, like we say, it hasn't aged well lyrically, um, but I still love the sound of it. It's still got that bizarre sound and all the songs are really short. That's a good thing about it. My favourite is actually a compilation. It's the song, The Flesh Features, Eyes Look Your Last, and Let the Sun Shine In. So, oh, yeah, I like to let the sun shine in. Oh, that, that's definitely been on an advert. Yeah, yeah, that is. That's uh, some medical product. They're on a picnic blanket or something, I think. <laughs> Um, but that's my favourite because that finishes the show and it chops and changes all the way through that compilation and it's so powerful. Like having done the show, it's so powerful to the point where you think, oh my God, I might cry. Um, 
yeah, crazy, crazy. Great show. Um, I'm going to give it three and a half mics. I, I like the show. I like the songs. But I'm knocking it down a mic and a half for the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Some of these songs, when we did the show, some of these songs weren't in there. Like some reprises, reprises were taken out because it just mm-hmm. made the show too long and it, it didn't feed anything into the story sometimes. I have to say, though, it, it didn't feel like a long show to listen to. I listened to it over two days. So I listened to probably just a bit under half on one day and then the rest on the day after. And usually when I am doing that for album of the week, I'm like, oh, how many songs have I got left? And I'm kind of looking for how long it is till the end. And I didn't actually do that with this album. So that must be a good sign. But I just, I can't give it more than one mic because of, I I just feel quite strongly about that. Fair enough. But if it had a revamp, I mean, I don't know how easy that would be to do. I don't know how much of the show is based on. Well, it it was talking about, segregation and stuff between colors like way back in the 60s and stuff and it was just a historical event that they took and and based it on really i mean also i did listen out of context so i don't know within what context they are singing it but to me it just sounded like it just didn't sound appropriate in no it's just women so the the black boys white boys songs mm-hmm. you're talking about is about women just saying what they prefer basically from what i understood that's my interpretation mm-hmm. of it having having been in the show and then um listening to the album yeah it's just like oh this is what i like and this is what i like and mm-hmm. different people like different things mm-hmm. so yeah yeah okay Lucy, your pick. What are you picking? A drum roll, please. Les Miserables, the stage concert, the sensational 2020 live recording. Wow. Could have gone with a catchier title, but... It says live from, but then I actually can't see where it's from but I because <laughs> they swapped venues didn't they but it's, then it's dot 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 so I can't see where it's live uh, from which hang on hang on let me see if I can find it talk amongst yourself people tokey tokey rhubarb 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 that's what they do the extras don't they when they're talking to each other like oh rhubarb 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 no rhubarb cucumber rhubarb Obviously not speaking it out loud, but go on. Live from the Gilgood Theatre, London. Gilgood. I knew, yeah. Nice. Knew that's what it was. So yeah, I haven't listened to this. I didn't know it was on Spotify, which is why I haven't listened to it. I thought you had to buy the album, but it is actually on Spotify. So I'm specifically asking to listen to the 2020 live recording with Alfie Burrow. Carrie Hope Fletcher, Mikey, Mike, Mikey Ball. <laughs> Mikey Ball. Like. You know what that is. It's because it's Alfie Burt. Yeah. So Matt Lucas was another big name in it. Yeah. So I've not heard this. So I'm interested to see how it compares to the original. So you've got the original London cast recording from 1985 which I'm sure most of us will have heard of. Yeah. You've also got the motion picture. 
soundtrack from the film from 2013. And then we have got another live recording from 2010, which I actually didn't know existed either, where John Owen Jones was Jean Valjean. I don't know if anybody... Um, recognises that name. I certainly do. And there is also a 10th anniversary concert live at the Royal Albert Hall version. On Spotify? On Spotify. Oh, wow. But yes, so the, the album that I want to listen to specifically is the 2020 version because it's the most up-to-date one and I am interested to see how it compares. Also, with the likes of Alfie Bow, Michael Ball, you know, I'm interested to see how they sound. Yeah. Because they are some of the biggest names. True. Very going around, true. so. Some of the biggest voices. Well, going absolutely, yeah. I should have, yeah, that's exactly what I should have said. I mean, would you put them on par with Christopher Biggins? I mean, he might get a mention in every single episode from now Don't on. Don't even go there. Well, I you, know, like, you know the girl. You know the girl. Okay. I'd, Come I'd on, love- Biggins. Yeah, I've got nothing against Biggins. I just, it was a very interesting choice of person to have on this podcast. (laughs) That is all. Look, you choose who you choose. Okie dokie. Talking of choosing, let's find out what Tom is choosing over on Movie Musical section, because that is all for... Album of the Week! Yeah! Tom, hit us with it. Hello, thank you Jazz and Lucy. Welcome back to the Movie Musicals section. Now, I just want to apologise if you can hear any background noise today. I'm having to record in a different location because of some COVID restrictions, regulations. Uh, So apologies if you hear any of that. But hopefully it should be minimal. I don't think you'll even hear anything, so just ignore it. Anyway, today we're going to be talking about Beauty and the Beast, the 2017 live action remake. Now, Last week, if you tuned in, you will know that I said we might be doing Roger and Hammerstein's Cinderella from 1997. I've had an issue with my Disney Plus account this week, so tune in next week now that I've got it sorted and we're going to be talking about it then. So it's a, I did say maybe last week to be fair, but it's a, it's a double teaser for you, you know? So yeah, tune in next week if, if you want to, if you want to hear all about that. And in the meantime, go and watch it on Disney Plus. But today, yes, we're going to be talking about Beauty and the Beast. Now, the Disney, we're currently in the age of, of you know, of live action remakes or just remakes in general, I guess. And, you know, sometimes they're not massively popular. The The reboot culture is kind of, I think, you know, people feel that the, the remake or the reboot is never as good as the original. Which is a fair assumption and a fair criticism. However, I've got to say, I really, really like this live action remake of Beauty and the Beast. I remember when it came out in the cinema, I I went into it a couple of times. A friend of the show, Pete, and yeah, I just, I think it's a really good film. I think it, it's, I think it was what a remake needed to be. Like they kind of modernized it a little bit in the sense of some character development, but they kept it the same at its core which is really great. Yeah, I I really like the music in this. I mean, Alan Menken, you can't really beat him. And I don't know how we've not had, you know, a consistent stage production of Beauty and the Beast in the West End or Broadway. And I know they have had them and they've been really popular, but it just surprises me that... I think it surprises me that we have things like The Lion King that, that are actually long running instead of Beauty and the Beast. Having said that, 
I think The Lion King's a fantastic long-running show because it provides so many jobs for basically non-white actors, you know? Uh, we're all kind of fed up of seeing... So we're fed up of seeing white actors, that is... Yeah. Anyway, so this uh, film was directed by Bill Condon, who's done a couple of things before. I... Yeah, I, to name a few, like he's done Chicago and Dreamgirls. So, you know, you, you've got a couple of musicals... Uh, behind him, which is good. And I think Dreamgirls and Chicago are both stand-up musicals. He actually wrote Chicago, I think, instead of directing it, but go and uh, go and have a look on IMDb if you want to check out some more of his stuff. I think he's pretty cool. I think this film's got a really good cast. I, I'm not going to lie, I'm not the biggest fan of Emma Watson in this film. Loved her in Harry Potter, but I, for me, she's she wasn't the best choice for Belle, you know. But having said that, I think she did an okay job and she did, you know, it, not enough to, to distract me from the actual film itself. Yeah. Anyway, alongside Emma Watson, we've got Dan Stevens as the Beast, who I think um, is a really good choice. I think he's quite melodramatic as the Beast, but you still kind of take him serious. We've got Kevin Klein as Maurice, Ian McKellen as Cogsworth, Emma Thompson as Mrs. Potts. Audrey McDonald as Madame Garderobe, Stanley Tucci as Maestro Cadenza. So it's a, it's a really fantastic cast. Josh Gad as the Foo. Can't mention, can't not mention that. There is a name I haven't mentioned on purpose, which we will get to in due course. Anyway, let's talk a little bit quickly about Ewan McGregor's Lumiere, because I have a couple of things, which is like, so I, I've I've heard some reports that he was asked to tone down his French accent because because it was too strong. And they were worried that Americans wouldn't understand it or like non-French speakers, which I think is ridiculous. So what we ended up with instead is this kind of weird half French, half Mexican accent that doesn't really seem that well acted. But I I think it makes Ewan McGregor look bad. And I don't think Ewan McGregor is bad. I think he's great. And I think he's really charismatic as this part. But I just think it's a shame they didn't let him do his full French accent. I mean, I guess there's also an argument for why could they not just hire a French person? But, you know, that's that's a whole other topic we'll discuss on the podcast another day. Anyway, I think it's a really great cast. The one cast member I haven't mentioned is Luke Evans as Gaston. And the reason I didn't mention him is because Luke Evans deserves a, a separate, you know, moment in the spotlight. He can't just be blended in with the rest of the cast. Luke Evans is... Fantastic. He is Gaston through and through. I, I, they could not have cast anyone better for this role. He's so charismatic. He's pretty, you know, beefed up for this role. And his song, Gaston, is fantastic. It's so well choreographed and performed by both of them, by Josh Gad and Luke Evans. The ensemble do a really good job in, in the background. There's some fantastic choreography. Yeah, I just think he's a really good choice, you know? So, yeah, I think... Let's let's see some more Luke Evans, please. Also, stick around at the end if you enjoy Luke Evans' performance as Gaston. Stick around for a little recommendation I'm going to give at the end of the of the of this section, as I as I often do. I don't know if you guys have noticed. I, I try and give you guys something similar if if you enjoy this film to kind of you know watch next. That I I, I think you know if you like this film, you might like this film. But yeah. Anyway, so that's that's a little bit about the cast. I think I think they're all pretty good and they all help each other out and uh, in terms of performance it's a good ensemble piece this we we have to talk about the costume for this film because 
obviously costumes are really important in a lot of Disney films. They can kind of make or break it, really. But the, they did such a great job with, with the costumes in this. And even the, the VFX, which kind of enhance the costumes, the, like the VFX for the Beast are fantastic. And like, you know, for all the, the sort of minor characters like Miss Potts, Cogsworth, Lumiere, just, just the general design for this film is fantastic. It, it's really great. It all feels like it's part of one world and it, it's all very fancy and intricate and, and well done. So yeah, I want I wanted to give a shout out to to just the design in general, really costumes, but also like the set, the ballroom scenes, amazing. the The town looks really quaint, and it's it's cool to see the same town from the animated uh, film in the live action. Like you feel like they are one in the same, which is is great. So yeah, I, I really think this is one of the Disney live actions that they nailed. I think people have their opinions, like I said. And I think there's arguments to be made for both sides with all the remakes recently. But yeah, I, I went to see a sing-along production of, of this. Our friend of the show, Jake, had some free tickets and we went and we went and saw it. And obviously it was filled with families and kids, but the joy in like all the kids' eyes that were there, it's just really, really great. It, it was really fantastic. And I think for that reason alone, you know, it doesn't really matter what what people think of the film because it's... I mean, if, if anyone's going to complain about the film, then the odds are it's probably not for them, you know. One other thing I really wanted to talk about, which if you have, guys haven't seen, I think you should go and check out, is the behind-the-scenes pictures of Dan Evans in the, the mocap, the, the motion capture, is pretty hilarious with Belle in her lovely dress, Emma Watson all, all dressed up, and then Dan, Dan Stevens next to her. Yeah, I, I think th- there's not a huge amount to say about this film, really, other than it's... It's a good film. It's a comfort film. They did the remake really well, in my opinion. Took enough elements from the original, but added something different enough. And I recommend, I recommend watching it. This is a, this is a Sunday Sunday movie, I would say. You know, so this comes out on what Monday? You have plans for the weekend now. Anyway, yeah, I am going to give this film a three out of five stars, I believe. Yeah, three three out of five. Um. If you, if you like this, I recommend going and checking out some of the other Disney live action remakes. I personally, a controversial opinion, I really loved the Lion King live action remake. I thought it was brilliant. Aladdin, I hated. So, I mean, uh, we'll talk about that another day because that's going to be on the list. But I think if you like Beauty and the Beast, you'll like Lion King. Yeah, I think it's really great. Also, the thing I teased a little bit earlier on is that they are doing a a prequel series with Gaston and LeFou to Beauty and the Beast on Disney+. Plus. So keep your eyes peeled for that if you want to see some more Josh Gad and Luke Evans. And I don't know, maybe some returning characters. I'm not 100% sure, but I think that's going to be really cool. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Ah, very interesting. Thank you, Thomas. Wonderful. That is all from all of us today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your time. If you would like to contact us, you can on any of our social medias or you can email us. It's allanact at outlook.com. We love hearing from you. Album of the week is... Lame is the stage concert from 2020. 2020, the year that was. Was that clear enough? Yes. Okay, good. Very clear. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for listening, and we shall be in your ears next time. Lucky you.
tell a friend to tell a friend and stay safe, wear a mask where appropriate. Um, we might see you in the theatre very soon. Stay safe. Happy Bye. Easter. Bye. At podcast. <laughs> Happy Easter. Well, got to have something to look forward to. Rhubarb, rhubarb.